Hello again, everyone, and welcome to today's show. If you're one of the 130 million people that are dealing with SIRS, Lyme disease, autoimmune disease, or other conditions that are impacted by mold on a daily basis, and you need to learn how to eliminate that exposure, then you're in the right place. My name is Brian Carr, and you're listening to Mold Finders Radio. Hey everyone, I am coming to you from the inside of my brand new sauna. I'm in here right now. I'm going to be sweating while we talk. And the point of the sweating is for detox, right? So, uh, you know, it's so funny. First off, I don't know what this audio is going to sound like, so I'm going to listen back to it. If this sounds really weird, then I won't record in here. But if I'm going to be sitting in here for a half hour, it seems like an awesome spot and time for me to be recording. So hopefully... Um, it doesn't sound too bad. So I'll, I'll look back at that. If for some reason it does, just bear with me for this one episode and then I won't do it again, I promise. Um, but yeah, I'm in the sauna. I'm excited. So for those of you that didn't see, I got a new um, uh, clear light infrared sauna. Uh, a lot of you are asking me like, which one did I get and why did I get it and kind of all that stuff. So I thought maybe I would just share a little bit about the one that I got and why I got it um, and kind of start there. So... Uh, Clearlight has two different um, models. They have the Premier and then they have the Sanctuary. And the Sanctuary is more expensive. Uh, it looks cooler, at least for me anyways. Uh, the, the Premier has like more of the traditional sauna feel. The, the Sanctuary, it kind of is like more modern. Looks kind of cool. Um, but the reason that I went for Clearlight, I was looking at a bunch of different ones. So the, um, so, you know, infrared infrared heat a lot of the saunas can do it the the concern and the thing i wanted to be careful of with this one was uh was emf uh being pushed out of the heating components that are in here right so um there are units where the emf that's produced is is pretty high and so if you think about it you're in this tight little box for you know however long you're in here i'm gonna try to be in here for like a half hour maybe and you're just in this tight little space and you're wrapping yourself in like kind of microwaved EMF or whatever. So like, I didn't want that to be happening. So I started doing a poll of all my favorite docs, um, who I'm sure a lot of you follow as well. And, uh, it came down to, uh, for me, it came down to clear light. And then I was looking at the two models. So one, the look and feel of the sanctuary, like I said, is more modern, right? Um, which honestly, I really dig that. I kind of wanted that, but then I was like, ah, it's not enough for me just to spend extra money on the modern piece. So like, what else does it have besides design that I could in my mind justify spending more money to get this other thing? Right. And one big piece that it had is that it has, um, chromotherapy, uh, like an add on kind of lights that go in the front of you. So for those of you who don't know this, that's different light therapy. So if you've listened back to me or heard me at, at any point, um, I may have mentioned red light therapy. I have a red light machine. Um, so I, the red light device that I have, I got around last Christmas time. If you guys tell every Christmas, I kind of get myself something for my, for my health. That's like my gift to myself. It's some sort of health thing. Um, last year was the red light device. This year is the sauna. And um, the, the red light machine that I have is from a company called uh, 
a platinum LED. It's called the uh, the Biomax is the one that I have. And it's like four different panels and I created four panels. So it's kind of like a full sized thing. So I can literally just stand in front of it. It's covering my entire body. So when I stand in front of it, so that's what I got. Red light is super awesome. A whole bunch of amazing benefits from my, from red light. Um, I honestly probably more than I, I can go into uh, while we're talking. And um, but a, a couple of the reasons that that I got it um, again is is around what I do. Like I'm exposed to mold. I'm in people's places that have it. My body thinks that I live in a moldy place. I have multiple mycotoxins in my body. I now have skin issues that have redeveloped as a result of all of that. And I have uh, gut issues. I have a lot of things that are going on, right? Well, one of the things that red light does is it helps decrease inflammation. So um, I think a lot of us may have seen if we're doing the research around and poking around that chronic inflammation is a pretty big problem with people that have environmental exposures. And so the, the, uh, the red light helps to decrease that. Um, the other thing that it does is it, is it helps to um, uh, increase the effectiveness of your mitochondria and, and boosting your ATP production, which is also very good uh, for you. And it gets, that gets to the uh, uh, deplenish as well. Um, when mycotoxins are at play, they, they basically rob your body of that energy and it, and it stops it. I don't know the technical terms. I'm not the doctor, right? I'm sure there's other podcasts that you could listen to where they're telling you exactly why that happens. That's not me. Um, I, I'm just like a lot of you guys, you know, I do a lot of research and luckily I have some experts that I'm on a friend level with on, you know, health experts that I can ask questions to. And so I'm very, been very thankful for that. And because of that, I typically pull them <laughs> when I'm looking to do things like this. Um, so anyways, I have the red light device already, right? So like one of the big upsells on the sanctuary, the clear light sanctuary model was that it had like a red light, like kind of add on where they would, the panels would go in front of you kind of like, so if you walk into the door and then you sit down, you like turn around, you face the door that you walked into. And so they would put like red light panels there. So, or chromotherapy panels, which there are different wavelengths of light that, affect your body differently, you know, according to the research. I haven't done a lot of digging on any of the other color spectrums outside of red and then um, near infrared is really all that I've done most of my looking into because that's what I did all my research for when I was looking for the red light device. But anyways, one thing that I saw when I was researching that last year was that you need to be pretty close to the lights for them to have the effect that you want them to have. So like that, that um, the standing setup that I have you know, I, I was reading, because uh, when I was trying to figure out, like, how many of these panels do I need and how much space do they cover? It's like, you know, the further away you go from it, the more, you know, the more the light kind of spreads. So, like, you could stand a few feet away from it and, like, you would have red kind of covering your whole body, but you'd be a couple feet away from the source. And is that okay, right? And from what I gathered, from what I was looking through, is that you actually need to be really close to it for it to have its maximum effect. So, like, you shouldn't be standing more than, like... I don't know, six inches away from it or something. And so I was like, all right, one, I have that whole device over there. So I'm not really interested in getting another upsell on a sauna that has that too. Like that's not the reason I should be getting an upsell. But when you sit in a sauna, like I'm sitting in mine right now, my back is against the back wall and I'm probably a good, I don't know, three, four feet away from the door. So that's some distance, right? And and you're getting further away from it. And from what I had been poking around and seeing, like that kind of limits, I don't say limit, it just makes it a little less effective, I guess, is kind of the deal with the red light. So anyways, that was another reason why I didn't go with it. But the cool thing about the heating components is that it seems that they're the same components 
and that they don't put off a lot of e uh, a lot of EMF. It's really on the low end, which was a big thing for me. And ultimately, the goal of me getting this thing was not about all the other bells and whistles. It was about uh, infrared sauna. It was about being able to heat up and sweat and detox. All of you that that know Dr. Jess Petros know the Killbind sweat protocol, and the sweat is a piece of it, <laughs> right? So you got to be sweating. Um, sweating is our body's like kind of biggest detox pathway. You literally sweat out of all of your skin. Like that's a great thing and you could detox that way. So anyways, that's why I got this. And um, that was the thought process when I was looking for. I had a lot of people like message me, which one is this? What about this one? Did you look at that one? Why didn't you compare it to this one? <laughs> I was like, I was like, first off, I was just showing you a picture of me putting it together. It doesn't mean that I didn't compare other options. <laughs> it just means that I just showed you me putting it together. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny, but uh, I just wanted to do a quick little um, recap on on kind of what I got and why I got it and, and all that stuff. But the putting it together piece was not super difficult. I saw message me and she's like, yeah, so we're think we got the same one. We're thinking about just me and my husband doing it. Are we crazy? And I responded back. I woke up at five 30 this morning and did this entire thing by myself. So if you're crazy, then I'm a lunatic. <laughs> like, and that's what it was. Uh, it's actually, I mean, it came in like six pieces. It was four walls, a floor and a top. And those were all the pieces. They were all, already kind of put together all you had to do is attach them so the thing that you know kind of sucked is that they're a little heavy right um but if you could deal with them being a little bit heavy it was actually really easy to put together the the plugging everything in and all the electrical stuff was really easy um the toughest part was probably putting the ceiling on by myself but i was able to lift it up and basically kind of put it on top and then and then get it on so it was pretty easy to put together too anyways that's uh that was my sauna weekend uh getting together experience so then the next question i started getting from folks um was what are you doing to prevent mold in there what are you doing what are you doing and um i was like okay so because you know i don't know if you guys saw but like a while ago we did a post on saunas and how mold grows in them and i had told this story about um i was at a medical conference Ah, at this point, this one was probably five years ago or something. And I want to say it was Dr. Crinian that was talking, but I'm not totally sure. Um, but they were talking about, you know, infrared sauna as a method to help detox and, and kind of the whole protocol of getting better from mold and everything. And I was really interested in saunas uh, at the time. And I hadn't had one. I hadn't gotten one yet. I ended up getting like this little kind of portable one uh, that I got right afterwards. Um, but uh, one of the things I took out of that that I definitely remember from that thing was he was talking. He's told a story about his practice. And again, I don't know if it's Dr. Crinian's. I just for some reason, I feel like it. I remember it being him, but it could have been someone else. So anyways, I remember this story that they were talking about their practice where they were at the time. And they actually offered sauna therapy to their patients. So um, their patients come in. So like a lot of doctor's offices, they they offer some of the um, the processes that they recommend for detoxing, right? So like they might have an IV lounge where they give you different IV drips or they might have a sauna lounge where you could go out and do the sweating and the detoxing, right? So, so different places offer that stuff. And so, he, so his place had like a sauna thing and the saunas were all in this room and people were going in the saunas and doing their thing. And he was just like noticing that people were saying that they weren't really feeling well. And for, he was like trying to figure that out. He's like, why, why are people not feeling well? Like being in a sauna should not make you not feel well. Right. That was kind of the thing. And so he, they started kind of digging around and, you know, fast forward, I don't know all the details cause I wasn't there, but fast forward, uh, there was mold in the room, hidden mold, 
there you go. Find the hidden mold that's making you sick. There was hidden mold in the room, in the med- in the practice, the doctor's practice, treating people who have mold, right? So like treating people who have mold exposure. So being in a moldy place is not good for them. Um, you know, it might not have been Dr. Cranian. God, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm just really trying to think of who it was. Um, anyways, there was a moldy, there is, you know, some hidden mold in the room in the doctor's office, right? Which ironically is, you know, they're treating people that have mold issues. You really don't want to be exposing them to any more than they have to be. So they come in. And then when they get in the sauna, this is what I, this is what I really took away from it, is that when you get in the sauna, you're like opening your detox pathways. And the way that I understood it is that it's not just like a one-way street. Like you're opening the door. Like things could come in and out, right? That's how I understood it. Um, And so basically what he's saying is that people weren't feeling that great because they were in the saunas. They were opening everything up in terms of their pathways and and whatever the biological terms are for whatever's actually happening. And uh, they weren't feeling well. And then they ended up finding out that there was mold kind of like in the ceiling area above there. And he was just putting it all together of like why that's a problem. And I was like, whoa, that is nuts. Okay. You can't have mold where you have your sauna, right? That was like the thing that I took away from this. So after that, I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, I'm obviously going through people's houses the way that I do. So like, that's not any different, but I've seen these saunas in people's homes i see them all the time and you sweat in these things and the whole sauna is made out of wood and your body is made out of a lot of water and sweating and there you go and you you drip water on your sauna and you leave it there and mold can grow and at the time sorry i'm taking a drink periodically because you know in a sauna gotta hydrate so bear with me on that um and so i start looking at these saunas a little differently. I'm like, oh man, there's there's a lot of wood here and people sweat in here. I'm like, is there mold in these things? How can I try to figure that out, right? And, you know, the more I think about it, it's not like a thing where there's leaks behind the walls or stuff. So, you know, the way that I'm thinking it through is that you're usually going to see probably what's happening on the surface because the source is typically the person the water source is the human in the thing, right? So the water source is on the visible side of what you could see. And so I start going into these things and I start seeing that there's like a lot of, um, a lot of sweat stains on, you know, water drips and stuff all over the ground. I'm like, okay. Um, well, I know what, I know what staining means when I see it in other places of the house, right? So for those of you who have been through the, um, the mold finders method, uh, free webinar that I'm giving that talks about how to find the hidden mold in your house is making you sick. Um, I talk about, there's five signs of water damage. This is the first thing that you look for or, or that I look at when I'm going through a house. You need to know two things. You know what to look for and where to look for it. And that's really what the whole piece of that entire, um, uh, webinar thing that I'm doing is basically teaching you guys that. So there's two pieces. What do you look for? What do you look for? So what do you look for? You look for water damage. That's what you look for. And there's really just five types when you kind of put it together. And I won't go too into it. We could save that for the webinar. If you're interested, moldfindersmethod.com, you could register. Uh, the next one is December 23rd, 10 days from now. So if you want to um, learn all about that stuff, you can. Anyways, so one of the five signs is staining, right? And so if I was in a house, and I saw dripping and staining on a floor anywhere else in the house, I would be like, whoa, what happened here? I got to test this and figure out if there's a problem. But for some reason, like in a sauna, I was kind of writing it off before. And then I go to this conference and I hear, um, <laughs> doctor, I can't remember talking about it. And 
I'm like, oh my God, why am I overlooking this? It's the same thing with like kitchen sinks, right? Like I've said this before, like why do we overlook kitchen sinks like or bathroom sinks or whatever, like the cabinets underneath them? We're like, oh, sinks leak, cabinets leak. So it's not a big deal. Like, no, it's a bigger deal because we know they're leaking, right? That's the problem. And so it's kind of the same thing here. It was like light bulb for me. I'm like, why am I not thinking about this while I'm going through? And so it changed the way that I think about going uh, just looking in saunas in particular, like if someone is dripping water onto wood, water plus wood equals mold. I need to be testing it, making sure because now the connection I made was because if they're sitting in that tight box and there's mold growing in there and they're opening their pathways, they're going to get more sick than they were before. And that was like the big takeaway for me. So that's what I started doing. So there's kind of two things I started noticing. One, I would see like dripping stains and stuff like that. The other thing is that I would actually see like darkness that looked like there might be mold growth actually on the floor or the seat where the person would sit, right? Because that's where the sweat is dripping, right? Um, and so the post that I did a, a week or two ago uh, was showing us a, a sauna that I did a surface test of because it looked like that there was some physical growth on the surface and it came back and there was. And then I got like this big flood of messages and texts and stuff like, oh my God, what's happening here? What, is my sauna making me sick? What's going on? Um, and it's the, the thing is you just have to be aware of what's happening in this space, right? You're in a, in a wood space and you're made of water and you're dripping water all over the wood. And some people are using towels to sit on and, and for their feet to go on. And some people aren't right. If you're, uh, if you're using towels and they're maybe catching some of it, but then guess what a lot of people do? They leave the towels in there. So now you're leaving like a damp towel just on top of wood for an extended period of time you're going to get mold that grows at some point if you keep doing that over and over again. So you almost have to think of your sauna kind of like a front-loading washing machine. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, a good number of us probably have a front-loader because they're super convenient and very popular now. Um, but for those of you that don't, basically, instead of like opening the top of your washing machine and putting all your clothes in it, you open the front of it and you put all your clothes in the front. Well, the thing with a front-loading washing machine is that there's this rubber seal around the door where the door shuts and water gets stuck in there. And because the machine is built kind of more horizontally with the door you know, on the side instead of the door on the top, water that gets into that space doesn't drain and it just stays there. And then I cannot tell you how many times I go into a house, go into a laundry room, there's a front-loading washing machine. Every single time there is one, we open the door, we pull open the rubber seal, and more times than not, there's something that looks like mold growing in the rubber seal. And then you say, you think about that, you're like, oh man, that means you're washing your clothes in mold, right? Like that's defeating the purpose. So a sauna is no different because it's about maintenance. So the question is like, what do you do with a front-loading washing machine? Well, I have one too. So here's what we do. We, after every wash, we dry the rubber seal. Take a towel. There's two sides of the rubber seal. There's like the, just the top side. So if you open the door, you can just wipe the rubber seal. And then you pull it open. You could pull that seal open and kind of like, it, it kind of just splits and you can kind of see down into it. And then you dry that interior part of the rubber seal too. You do both of those and then you leave the door open on the washer and it really helps to prevent that. Because again, you're getting, you're taking the water away, which is causing, you know, which is what you need for mold to grow, right? Mold needs water to grow. So in a sauna, the reason I say that they're the same is because the way you, you treat them the same. You say, okay, I'm in a sauna. I, as a human, am a water source in my sauna. So if I'm going to use it, I'm inherently going to sweat. Otherwise the sauna is not doing its job. So it's not like you come in here and not sweat, right? So like, okay. So if I know that I'm going to sweat, like that's why I'm going in there. I know that I'm going to be leaking water onto wood. What can I do to make that not as big of a deal? 
The first thing, you can sit on a towel and put a towel on the ground, right? This way, you're not dripping and leaking directly onto the sauna. It's getting caught up in a towel. So that's cool. But when you're done, you have to take the towels out, okay? Don't leave the towels in there or else now you're going to be trapping the moisture. It's actually going to be probably a bigger problem if you do it that way because you're going to be trapping the moisture against the wood for who knows how long until you get in the sauna the next time, right? So when you get out, you got to take these towels out. And then the other thing dry the sauna. The same, this is the same thing I do in a shower, right? We're like, it's like a sauna apparently is a, is a, uh, a comparison or, a, or, or the addition of a, of a shower and a washing machine apparently. So um, the shower piece, every time I'm done taking a shower, because think of it the same way, shower is just gallons and gallons and gallons of water just shooting into a shower. You have grout lines, grout becomes damaged, allows water to penetrate behind the grout. If you leave a bunch of water in there, it could deteriorate the grout even more. So you wanna get the water out as, as best as you can. So whenever I get out of a shower, I squeegee all of the shower walls, but I don't stop there. I also squeegee, I have like a little uh, bench thing. So I squeegee that off so it gets onto the floor. And then I squeegee the floor all the way to the drain. Right, because I don't want water. Because if you pull water down a squeegee on a shower wall, it comes straight down to the side of the wall where it meets the floor, which is a shower pan. And if you have cracks and stuff in the grout, or or uh, or if it stays there, it can start to deteriorate the grout, and that's a problem, right? So, um, so what I do is once it gets to the floor, then I pull it all to the drain, right? And so what am I doing? I'm drying it. I'm drying the shower. And so that's what you do. That's what I am going to be doing in my sauna, right? I'm sitting on a towel. I have a towel under my feet. I've been in this thing right now for 21 minutes. I'm definitely sweating. Um, it's getting caught in my towels. I'm drinking water. I'm wiping my face with a towel. I'm wearing a sweatband on my head. <laughs> and when I get out of this thing, I am going to wipe the floor and the seat down. And, and where my back leans, because I'm leaning on that, my back is sweating a little, and so that's getting wet. So that's how I'm going to be doing prevention on my sauna, right? So these these are a lot of the questions I've been asking, I've been getting asked about the whole sauna situation. What did you get? Why did you get that one? Uh, people ask me where you could buy it. Um, I mean, there's so many places you could buy these things. Uh, I would just search clear light uh, infrared sauna, and there's a million places you could buy them. Um so that was another question. Where can I get the one that you got? And then it's, you know, how do I prevent mold from happening? I saw your post from before. You just got one of these things. What are you doing? How do we stop that, right? And so um, so that's everything that I'm doing. So now let's say you have one of these things already. And uh, me explaining how water staining and darkness on wood has sometimes turned into mold has completely freaked you out. Let's just say that's happened, which is not, not trying to freak you out. Just trying to make you aware, right? But let's say that's happened. Okay. So what do you do? So here's how I tested saunas, all right? So... One, if I saw something that looked like actual mold growth, which is like a, it was usually darker uh, in the saunas um, usually, but you see some sort of spotting or something like that that doesn't look right. It's a surface test. It's just a basic surface swab. Any mold inspector could come out and do a surface swab of that and they can do that. Okay. Um, so that's, that's how I would do it there. Now, when I only saw water staining and I wasn't seeing what looked like growth, you can't take a surface swab over that because a swab is only showing you if there's growth on the surface where the swab touches, right? So that's like, you can't use a swab where there's just staining or some sort of water damage because it's actually not going to tell you what's there. That's not the strength of that test. So what I would do instead, I would do an air test, but I wouldn't do it like in the middle of the sauna. What I would do is like on the floor, typically where the staining was, 
on the floor, I would like, um, I would like kind of bang my fist, like kind of pound on the floor a little. So if you could hear, right, I would do like that on the floor. And then right after I do that, I would put an air sampling pump right on the ground, right next to where I did that. And I would do that right over where the staining was. And then I would take an air sample right there, right? So you've heard me talk about cavity samples and source air testing and, and all that stuff, right? And there's kind of two ways to do air tests. One is to do a cavity, right? If you're in a wall and you can just put a hole in a wall and put a tube in there and find out what's going on behind the wall, that's great. Some things you can't do that. You can't do that with floors. You can't do that with showers. You can't do that with cabinetry. So there has to be another way that you can utilize the strength of that test, which is um, identifying hidden mold problems um, and being as close to the source as you can. There's got to be another way to do it. So this is kind of how we figured out how to do that. And we've done it a lot in different places and it seems to be pretty telling. And so that's how we do these things now. So they, again, I go down wherever the staining is. I kind of like, um, you know, you know, bang my fist on the floor a couple of times just to, to kind of disturb whatever's there. I put this air sampling pump right next to it, take the air sample from there. And there are times where that sample has come back and shown some pretty gnarly stuff, right? And you're like, okay, there's a problem here, you know? And then, uh, so, so that's kind of how you figure it out. So don't freak out. Like just because there's water, you know, sweat drips, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's mold growth there, right? But it's, it's water. It's, we have to be cognizant of that. And if we're not, we're really not being aware, right? And so we need to be looking at that. Um, and then the next question is, okay, well, what do we do if there is a problem? That's kind of more like dealing with the manufacturer. Like, is there a way to get like, so now that I've put one of these together, I know that they come in pieces, right? So like if the floor had an issue on it, could I just call them and order a new floor? Like, I don't know, right? I've never had to do that. Or if it's the bench where I sit, can I just get a replacement bench, for example? And again, I don't know that, right? So, but those are, those are things that I would look at, um, for that, you know, some people ask, well, well, can I just like sand it and surface clean it? If it's like physical growth on the surface, I guess you can. But here's the thing, though, you're coupling a potential mold issue in a box where you're opening up all of your pathways to where you could get even more easily exposed to whatever's in there. So because you're kind of opening yourself up to it even more, I would probably lean more on the side of caution and maybe replace the things that we're concerned about in them. Um, because I don't know, right? Uh, taking another sip of water, please hold. All right, thank you. We've been in here, um, been in here 25 minutes. In the last four minutes, the sweating has really kicked up another notch. <laughs> so I'm officially dripping everywhere. Um, luckily, I'm dripping onto my towels. So, guys, um, this is the sauna episode. Um, I hope you guys found it informational and useful. Uh, thank you for listening more episodes this week. If you haven't gone to check out the, the webinar that I'm doing, I spent almost a year putting this thing together. Um, and I'm literally just giving the webinar for free. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about the, the five signs of water damage, how we inspect a house. I'm going through the, all of how we do it. Right. And I'm even sharing the number one reason that remediation fails. So you could try to avoid that moving forward too. All of that is in there. All you have to do is go to moldfindersmethod.com and register for it. It's just your name, your email pushes through. I'll send you an email that says you're confirmed and you will be in the webinar. Okay. So uh, next one is December 23rd. That'll be the last one for the year. And then we'll probably be looking at like late January for the one after that is probably my guess. So, um, if you're at all interested in that stuff, I would go look into it now. Otherwise, you're going to be waiting over a month uh, to get into the next one. All right, guys. So hope you guys had a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon.
So that's it for today's show, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe and give a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help spread the word to those who really need it the most. 